Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new episode of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham. As you've probably realised already, I'm not Rob Guest. Rob Guest normally opens our show, but Guesty is having some very well-earned days off this week, so I've actually drafted in a new guest, uh, and that guest is my boss, the boss of Football.London, um, who happens to be a Tottenham fan as well, just which is going to help our flow of Tottenham discussion today, and it is Lee Wilmot. How are you feeling about being part of the Golden Guest Experience, as sponsored by NordVPN? Yeah, very, very much looking forward to it. Thank you for the uh, welcome, Ali. And um, yeah, apologies that you've got a southern accent alongside you and not a northern one. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to uh, try to in, in, imitate Guesty. Um, but yeah, good to be here and um, lots to talk about really, isn't there? Absolutely is. Yes, I don't think anyone can ever imitate Guesty's accent. It is a thing of beauty. It is a, a thing of wonder. You do try um, regularly in the office. I, I try, I try as well. Um, it, it, it's a marvellous voice, but uh, hopefully he's resting it ahead of... We've got some tour podcasts to do coming up as well while I'm off and away across the world following Spurs. Guesty and I will be continuing to chat all things Spurs during that experience. But today, we can start straight off with a new signing. Um, as Tottenham Hotspur have announced that Manor Solomon is part of the clan. He has come in on a five-year deal, uh, subject to international clearance and a work permit. Let's hope that doesn't stop him heading off on the tour, because that would be very frustrating. I think it was last year Clement Longley arrived right before the tour and wasn't able to go for some reason. But hopefully, I mean, they fly on Friday. It gives them a few days to sort this out. Um, if you're not aware who Mana Solomon is, obviously he was on loan at Fulham last year. Had a bit of a kind of unfortunate start to the season, really, in that he um, injured his knee in a behind-closed-doors match, having just made his Premier League debut against Liverpool. That kept him out for months. Came back after the break, had a really good uh, impact, mostly from the bench. Uh, had a little run of games where he scored five in a row. But he's got lots of experience, you know, Champions League experience, Europa League experience. 23 years old, free transfer, other than a little bit of smoothing over with Shakhtar Donetsk, I'd imagine, um, just in case anyone's not aware. He was did have a, does technically have a contract until the end of this year with Shakhtar Donetsk, but you, no, FIFA allowed all non-Ukrainian players playing in the Ukraine to suspend their contracts due to, obviously, what's going on in the Ukraine. Um, and that meant that technically the suspension lasted until after uh, Mana Solomon's contract would have ended. So I'm sure there's been some smoothing overdone. And obviously there's a friendly coming up against Shakhtar um, next month. Um, but Spurs have got their man. What do you make of this signing, Lee? I, I don't think there's any risk in it, really. Um, I think it's a win-win um, transfer. As you say, it's free depending on what Spurs feel like they should give to Shakhtar in compensation, um, what Shakhtar might demand um because obviously you say he did have that contract uh, with the ukrainian club um he's 23 young winger um still still to get to his prime um can kind of learn his way um learn uh, learn the premier league as well which he he got a little bit used to last season um, and you mentioned that that run of five games five games in a row he scored and a, a few of them were belters as well for for fulham um so he kind of knows the premier league a little bit already probably would have had a bit more experience behind him if he hadn't had that injury um at fulham um 
and yeah, it's not it's not like we're spending millions of pounds on on a, on a young winger and, and hoping he's gonna he's gonna come good. If it if it doesn't work out, then there's there's been no money spent or very little money spent from Spurs' point of view. So um, yeah, it's um, I think it's a great deal f- for the club really. Um, at a time when, well, Spurs seem to have lots of times where they try and save money um, under Daniel Levy, of course. Um, but uh, at a time when clubs are call it, obviously trying to kind of balance their books and, and look at where they're spending money. Um, yeah, no, nothing against it, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think if you're looking at him as a squad replacement for the likes of Lucas Mora or Dan Juma, I think it's it's not too bad at all. It's um, it's like we say, it's a, it's an almost free transfer um, coming in with that experience, knows how to score a goal in the Premier League. And interesting, I think I said this maybe on a lot last podcast, if you look at his Champions League history, the goals he scored have come against Man City, Real Madrid twice, I think Atalanta was the other one. But on the whole, he's quite a big game player as well. So to have that to come off your bench, I don't know why, but I'm just kind of getting Jose Dominguez vibes. I don't know why. It's just like, I it's love like, Dominguez. It's just... Yeah, yeah, obviously, I just remember him and Ginola as being this very kind of odd couple at Spurs on the wings. Um, it could just be purely, I don't know if there's any slight similarity between two or maybe just in the way they play. But just when I watch the little, um, as you always do, the YouTube highlights of a player, which we know are absolutely no barometer of how good a player is, but they're always fun to watch. I just kind of got those Jose Domingo's vibes. So. Yeah, a bit of a blast from the past. And like you say, for a free transfer, if at the worst, if he were to leave in a year's time, um, and that's hoping he's not, I'm hoping he's a massive success, but if he was to leave in a year's time, you're going to make a profit <laughs> because you've spent so little on him. Um, Doesn't I'm, have I'm Jose's or David's hair though, does he, unfortunately? That's a real shame. He does not. Um, Jose Dominguez's hair that long? I always thought it was quite short. Uh, there was, um, I think he did go short. Um, I think when he first came, he had uh, some, some some flowing locks. Yeah, it's actually quite right. You're quite right. Yeah, I think I'm remembering from the shorter shorter era. But um, yeah, no, Israeli international as well. Plenty of experience with the his national side. Um, also, you know, I know people sometimes turn their nose up at league titles and things from other countries, but he has won the Ukrainian league title twice and the Ukrainian cru- uh, cup. Super Cup as well. Um, so he's a guy that has wins under his belt. And I don't think at Spurs that we can kind of turn our nose up at any sort of silverware because it's not something that's been too prevalent in recent decades. Um, so yeah, Man of Solomon, like I say, we're not going to spend too much talking to him anyway because we spoke at length about him in the last video, video podcast. Um, maybe, maybe more news on that to come with our podcast. But uh, yeah, he's... Um, an exciting signing, I think, in terms of a game changer late in matches, maybe more so, especially against tired defences. Um, I think he'll, uh, yeah, I think he'll do the job required. The thing for me he's got to improve is the assists. He's very Lucas Morari in that respect for me. I always felt Lucas had such an amazing level of talent, but that didn't um, transform into assists. For a guy that played mostly on the wing, he should really be setting up goals for others. And I think that's the same with Manor Solomon. Only 23, so he's obviously got the benefit of the doubt in terms of time on his side. But yeah, if you look at his assists in his career, they're not particularly plentiful. Um, and Ange Postacoglu will want him providing the uh, 
the assists for the likes of of Harry Kane and and Sonny running in there and although it'd be interesting to see whether Sonny and he ever play in the same side because uh yeah I mean what do you think can, can you play them both I think potentially you can I think there's versatility across the front line isn't there so I think even if you were asked Sonny to play on the right-hand side, I think he's, he's that good. He could, he could do that job. Um, and I think that's the way um, Andrew will want to set up, set his team up. I think he'll want players that can play in any of those positions um, in the front three and, and likewise in the midfield three as well. We've already spoken about um, on-site um, Kudasevsky potentially dropping into a number eight role. Um, Madison's come in. Where does Rodrigo Benton fit in? Does he sit in that number six role? Does he play in the number eight? He can probably do both. Um, Bissouma likewise can can do both. So if you've got those players um, in your squad that can play in a variety of positions, it's only going to help the manager um, at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, as you say, I don't I don't think anyone's expecting Solomon to go straight into the first team. Um, You've got the likes of Sonny and Kane and Kulisevsky who probably picked themselves um, to start with. Um, and then you've got Richarlison sitting there as well. You, you made the excellent point. Obviously, we're losing Dan Juma, who didn't really get a look in. Um, Lucas Moore is gone. Um, so you need someone. You need a bit of backup um, and someone who's going to stake their claim when they get given the opportunity. Um, I never felt like for the legendary status that he's got because of the Ajax game. Uh, I never felt like Lucas Moura was always going to come on and, and change a game. There, there were there were moments he would be able to do that. Um, Dan Juma, we never got an opportunity to really see if he could do that really. Um, so yeah, that he, that's, that's what Solomon's um, first task is going to be. Can I, can I sit on the bench and when given 10, 15 minutes, can I, can I go and make a difference? Um, and looking at when he came off the bench for Fulham, it looks like he can. Yeah, I can imagine in the distance somewhere Brian Hill is saying, what about me? What about me? Yeah, sorry, Brian. I forgot about you there, didn't I? <laughs> Unfortunately, so have the managers. Yeah. That's been the issue. Um, but hopefully, I'm really hoping he gets a proper run out on this tour. Um, I just got a feeling that Postacoglu football will suit him quite nicely. I mean, I know it's only little clips and bits and pieces we've seen from training so far, but the... The idea of the mostly one-touch, two-touch football that you'll get with Postacoglu as they quickly advance the ball up the pitch it suits him quite nicely. He's very comfortable with the ball. And so you never know, Brian Hill, you could potentially have him as the, the Kulisevsky backup on the right, uh, Solomon as Sonny backup on the left, Richarlison as Kane's backup through the centre. You've kind of got six pretty decent options there. Two younger players, you know, Hill's only 22, I think. I mean, Kulisevsky's only 23. Solomon's 23. It really it makes Kane and Son look like the elder statesman. It really <laughs> does. Obviously, Kane will be over 30 soon, uh, or in his 30s. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind those options myself, especially when you don't have the European fixtures. So there's not going to be masses of rotation anyway. Um, do you think that'll be it? Do you think that's how they'll settle with those attacking slots? Uh, yeah, I don't think that we need to... Um, go and make any more additions in that area. Um, we've spoken about the number of players there. Um, I've already kind of alluded to the the, the midfield um, positions. Um, I haven't even mentioned Oliver Skip, obviously. Um, Pierre Mohoibier. I haven't mentioned Tongi Ondombele, who I'm sure you will be delighted to talk about very shortly um, oh, yeah. in this podcast. Um, but then, yeah, there, there's options there. Um, I was going to say um, it's there's, there's kind of there's many options up front. There's many options in midfield. We should probably talk about the fact that the defence needs an overhaul. But um, I, I get the feeling you want to talk about Tongi first. 
No, no, no we can talk. We can we can leave Tongi because we're gonna if people are not expecting this anyway. Obviously, we had Ange Postecoglou's press conference um, yesterday, which was a long one. It was almost an hour and really fascinating stuff. And, and part of that. Uh, Tongi Dembele was brought up by a certain reporter who might be speaking right now. So uh, no, that's fine. We can we can kind of talk about him when we we delve into Postacoglu's presser. But I do feel like that attacking little kind of hub that they've now got it, it's dependent on Brian Hill. I think if Brian Hill wants to stick around and doesn't say no, I really want to be playing week in week out. Um, and heads off. I can imagine that being quite settled in terms of senior players. The only thing I could imagine Spurs doing, and they do this in every window, is look for like the next young talents. Um, and whether that ends up being someone that doesn't get loaned back, like a uh, Udogi or um, Pape Matasar, it might end up being that they find someone that they just have to move for now to stop others getting them. And it might be an attacker who can come in and, and do a job now. And if that's the case, that's maybe when you allow Brian Hill to move on in whatever capacity that ends up being. But otherwise, I think for the season you've got ahead, I don't think that's the worst six in the world in terms of attacking, um, what is it, Sextet? What's it called? Yep, Sextet, yeah. Sextet, It'll all be reliant yeah. on what happens with Harry Kane, of course, though. It it, it will. It will. But uh, yeah, that's another saga that we'll, we'll talk about with Posta Cogley was very good on Harry Kane, to be honest. Um, and you've also got Pedro Porro. Pedro Porro could play on the right of that front three as well. So there's kind of further backup if required. Um, you could say even Perisic, but I don't think Perisic will be at Spurs come the start of the season. Um, and there's, so yeah, there's Ryan, Ryan Sessegnon as well, to be fair, um, who was playing in a kind of a forward, a forward left role for, for Fulham before he, before he even came to Spurs. True. I also have my doubts about whether Ryan Session will be at Spurs at the start of next season as well. I'm starting to get more and more of a feeling there that maybe he needs to head off and get some regular football. I wonder whether with Davies and a doggy, you've got that left side covered. Um, and let's say if they were to get a certain Mickey van der Ven, uh, he can also play as a left back. So I would imagine in that scenario, Sess. Uh, is allowed to look for another club, but it may be that he's on the list of players that don't go on the tour. So we'll find that out, no doubt, in the days ahead. But what next for you? I think it's obvious, but what what next? What, what are the next couple of signings that have to come in through the door? Uh, defenders. Um, how many goals did we concede last year in the Premier League? 63, was it? 63, oh yes. Yeah, not, not good enough. And the main reason behind finishing eighth uh, in the table in the end um, and missing out on European football together. So yeah, we're, we're in a situation where we've, we've got a new, I've just called him manager, a new head coach in, I should call him a head coach really, shouldn't I? Um, yeah. A new head coach who wants to play attacking front foot football, um, which obviously means let's, let's make sure we've got the, the front three sorted in his four, three, three formation and make sure we've got the two attacking midfielders sorted in his, in his four, three, three formation. And you don't want to forget about what happens at the back. Um, yes, I think all Spurs fans after the last two, three years that we've had, um, myself included, are looking forward to enjoying watching the football again, because it has been turgid, um, a lot of the time. Um, I've got two kids who, had started to get switched off and, and not want to watch the games um, because of the, the, the football we were playing. Um, so yeah, we're all excited about the the attacking football um, that Ange wants to play. We've just got to remember that 
yes, we can go and score three or four goals, but if we're going to concede as many as we conceded last year, then we'll probably lose those games five, six, three. Um, we want to be going and, and, and winning four, three, um, three, two, as it were. I think all Spurs fans would take that every every week. If you, you win those games and there's five goals in them, but only three of them are yours, you've got three points and you've played attacking football, clearly. We just don't have the the players yet at the back in my opinion, um, to to cope with um, the attack in football and getting back into position and, and making the runs back and, and the challenges um, with the players we've got and the likes of Mickey van der Ven and Edmund Tapsober, obviously, are, are, are good links, I think. Um, and it's just a case of, can we get, if not both of them, then at least one of them over the line. Um, from, a, from a fan's point of view, I think probably both would, I think the fans would love both of them to come in um, for the for the squad depth, if nothing else. Yeah, I think it's one of those. They're clearly at this point where they've got to decide who they're moving for first out of those two players. There's also Tosin Adebayo at Fulham as well, who they really like, um, and a certain Clement Longley at Barcelona, who I kind of feel like, unfortunately, is it's almost like in the background of this scenario of. If we can't get them, don't worry, Clement. We'll come back for you. And it's 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 harsh. I do think it's harsh. I don't think he had as bad a season as people made out. I think he was he was kind of just did the job. He had some not particularly great games, but he also had some good games. Uh, but obviously, people want change. Um, and you know, especially with those three kind of players, you, you can see how different the defense would look. Um, I wouldn't rule out entirely that they go for Taps over and Van der Ven. I do think it would that scenario would have to require lots of defenders going out the door and making sure that happened. I, I'd I do wonder whether because this is the other thing that comes with Fabio Pratici's continued involvement in a consultancy basis, um, as as we refer to it as, um, is that we know he's long held this way of negotiating lots of deals up to a certain point and then essentially picking one. So it looks like the Van der Ven deal is is quite advanced as well, depending on kind of who you speak to. But then also it sounds like the Tapsoba one, there's little elements of that that are progressing as well. So you've kind of got to drill down into it and see, is, is it because they want both? Is it because they want to get it to a position where they can decide on one? Um, I think a lot will have to do with Davinson Sanchez heading out the door as well. Seems to be growing interest in him, which is good for Spurs um, and him because he wants to play regular football. Then you've also got the likes of Joe Roden, um, who I know there's been some Premier League clubs interested in him and some interest back in France. Obviously, he was at Rennes last season on loan. You've got Jaffet Tanganga. Um, Jaffet's a, a strange one in terms of I'm surprised he hasn't gone out sooner than he has um, in terms of he hasn't played many matches in recent seasons. I know he's had his injury problems, but there's been interest from Italy. I know AC Milan had looked at him in the past. I kind of feel for his sake he does need to head out, but then maybe from a homegrown aspect, you need to bring in Adarabayu as his replacement. Um, There's scope there, I would say, to bring in at least two or three of those defenders, but you would need to get those other players out the door. It looks like Romero will be 
seems to be guaranteed, not guaranteed, but is likely a starter still, World Cup winner. Eric Dyer doesn't appear to have any intention of moving on, so it doesn't look like he's going to be one heading out the door this summer. So would we be a scenario where they would let three of their five-man defence go? I suppose you've got Ben Davies, although Ben Davies in a back four is less of a centre-back or likely to be a centre-back. Maybe, maybe three go, but... um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'd imagine Spurs will look to make a decision to get one of these centre-backs on the tour. I think they will, will try to. I think they'd be mad not to because of the, the time it involves. But like I said at the top of this, whether like Clement Longley it ends up, they get him just too late uh, to actually take part in the tour. I'm trying to think visa-wise. I think that would be the issue, wouldn't it? It would be the travelling visa they would require to get into these countries. Um, there was a report um, this morning, I think, um, saying that Longley had been given extra time. He didn't have to report back to, to Barcelona training um, this week. He's been given extra time because of the the rumours circulating around Spurs. So it, it could be one. And I've got nothing against Longley. Um, I, I think the thing for me with him is... Oh, he that, hates you. <laughs> <laughs> What's he said? What have I, what have I done? Um, well, you know. Well, I'm probably about to. He's probably about to hate me with what I say. Um, <laughs> he's um, he's kind of in the and Ben Davis likewise. Um, he's kind of in that Ben Davis mold um, for me, where I think they're both very steady, very solid players and very good squad players. But whether they're the type of players that are, are going to get you top four, top three, top two every single year, not convinced. Um, I think they're good to have um, have around the place, but in terms of using them for 38 games in a season. Not for me, really. But um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Clement. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> That's why he hates you. Um, would you accept Clement Longley and one of Tapsoba or Van der Ven? Yeah, I think so. Um, because I think you can rely on them. It, it, it's all going to come down to injuries then, isn't it? Um, if, if one of them gets injured, then you're, you're, you're with um, Eric Dyer or Clement Longley coming in for a prolonged period of time, which could then lead to issues. Um, I think Longley's got the ability to play in an Ange Postacoglu system. I actually think Jaffet Tanganga's got the ability to play in a, a Postacoglu system as well. I, and the fact that you've mentioned him as a homegrown player could see him um, stick around and he could get a few more chances than than he's had under previous managers, um, just purely because of the way Ange plays football and, and the pace that he's got. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Van der Ven and pace. I mean, that's, he's he's the one with the pace. That That's incredible. I still I watched that video again yesterday. It's just incredible, one of him doing an almost pitch-long sprint. Um, and Tapsoba's not slow at all either. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to see which way they end up leaning on that. Um, the noise would suggest Van der Ven. Um, Price-wise, it'd be interesting to see because the talk has always been about Tatsoba that he w- is more expensive, that he's maybe another 10, 15 million or so on top of what Van der Ven would cost. But obviously you're getting a more ready-made player. So yeah, I think we'll find out quite shortly and quite swiftly where they're going to go first, at least on that. Because like I say, I think you need to get that person in before Friday. Um it's going to come down to Spurs and, and the price tag, really, isn't it? Because no disrespect to... Always. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to Leverkusen or, or Wolfsburg, though. If if Spurs want you, I, I can't see personal terms being an issue for either of them, really, uh, in coming to the Premier League and, and Tottenham over the clubs they're at at the minute. Yeah, I don't get the sense that that will be any issue. I think, even more so than Spurs, I just think the Premier League's such a draw, isn't it, for these players? Um, 
which again is why I do find the whole Harry Kane Bayern Munich stuff a little bit there's a part of it that still feels a bit strange to me because I, I I get the trophy angle and I get playing for a massive club Bayern but I don't think it's any shock that the players from the Bundesliga want to come to the Premier League I don't see many stars in the Premier League wanting to go the other way I mean maybe he wants to be a trendsetter I just still feel like profile wise it's it's not the I don't know I don't know I don't know I've said it before so I'm probably not going to go down that road again but uh, maybe it's just frustration or fear of losing Harry Kane from Tottenham I'm going to sound uh, like a proper English football snob here and, and kind of agree with you in that <laughs> I, the, the Real Madrid links when they when they surfaced concerned me because and <laughs> I'm not saying Bayern Munich are not a massive club because they are, but it's Real Madrid. When Real Madrid come in, um, I, I think Harry Kane would say, you know what, I'm I'm desperate to go there. Uh, I want to go there and do that. All the lights have gone off. How exciting. Um, I just don't, I don't quite get it with Bayern in the Bundesliga, if I'm honest. But yeah, that I I, I realise I'm going to come across as a proper snob and think, well, why why would you go to Bayern? Why not stay in the Premier League and break the Premier League record and be Ange's number one man as you've always been for Spurs? Um, and yeah, just carry on doing your thing. Um, I just don't, yeah, don't quite get it with Bayern, but yeah. Yeah, no, anyone that listens to these knows that's kind of my view as well. Uh, this is nothing against Bayern. They're a huge club, brilliant fans, silverware galore. He'll, there'll be such a Champions League presence with him in the team. I mean, they already are, but with him in their team, I think they probably could win it. I just don't feel profile-wise it's a massive step for him in his career in terms of the global profile of him. Um, I definitely understand he'd, he'd have silverware, but but we'll talk about Kane because we've got actually maybe that's a nice segue into the Postacoglu's press conference. Um, so I was there yesterday at Hotspur Way. It was introduced to the media. It was it was a really interesting press conference. It was a pretty busy room. What I would say is I don't think anyone thing's ever going to beat Jose Mourinho's arrival at Spurs. We we were talking about it actually yesterday. Some of the journalists that. When Mourinho rocked up for his first presser, the room was so packed that there were people just standing around the walls just because there were no more seats. And I think we got there like two, two and a half hours early just to make sure we had our seats to be able to... I mean, I normally, um, most weeks, will I have the kind of preferred seat I sit in. It's not like I put my towel down or something <laughs> and guarantee the seat. But <laughs> not that I take a towel to press conferences, that'd be <laughs> weird. Um, but even for the Mourinho one, I think I was sat two or three rows back rather than the front row I normally sit in. Um, Jose Mourinho, uh, with... a bigger draw than Ange Postacoglu. I'm shocked. <laughs> well, he, he just is, isn't he? He is a, a global name and probably will continue to be forever. Um, but with Postacoglu, it was a very, it was still, every seat was taken. It's, it's not like he was, uh, <laughs> it was just like three of us standing there or sitting there. Um, but he, he's definitely got that presence about him. You can see that he takes no rubbish from anyone. Um, I don't think if anyone thinks that he's coming into this job as like, oh, little old me, I've managed to get the job at Tottenham Hotspur, you'll be sorely mistaken. He's a guy that very clearly understands his own worth, which is, is great. He's very confident in what he can do. And to be fair to him, Everywhere he's gone, barring a kind of a little spell in Greece for a few months at a club that it sounds like was going through a bit of a mare at the time, 
he's won everywhere he's gone and he's transformed every club that he's gone to as well. So he will feel like, well, why should I even be doubted? And he doesn't see it as a big step up to Tottenham. He sees it as a new challenge. That's the only way he's looking at it. He's a guy that loves a rebuild as well, which is massive for Spurs because Spurs definitely need a bit of a rebuild. Um, and it's like he was even asked about the Celtic thing. Like he said, like, I know that maybe there's the view down here that if you're a Celtic manager, then well, it's easy. You're only going to finish first or second. And he said, no, 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 that's not how it works. If you finish second, you finish last and you lose your job. He said, you have to finish first. It's a job with so much pressure. Um, but yeah, no, he held the room. He's quite a funny guy. He's quite, quite amusing. There was a little moment um, in the written section which went out last night where one of the journalists kind of seemed to indicate that Pep Guardiola was, was one of his mates. And uh, he was very quick to tell us that's not the case. He's like, you know, you won't find Pep on my phone, mate, and all this sort of stuff. And one journalist in the main section of the press conference uh, started his question with G'day Ange, which went down, as you can imagine. I think he said something in response like, yeah, yeah, nice one, mate. Great start. Well done. <laughs> it was like, gosh. Um, but no, he was good. He was good. He spoke for, I think it was about 52 minutes in total. About which, 52. About 52. Yeah, yeah. I try to be as exact <laughs> with my abouts as I can. Um I was trying to remember if anyone else has been longer. I think Nuno's was about two minutes, 35 seconds in total. Uh, no, but Nuno's was short, very short. I think the first ones, Conte and Mourinho were definitely quite long. I don't know whether they got up to 52 minutes, but they were definitely up around the 45-minute category. Genuinely, I think Nuno's was about 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't think it was long at all. Poor that was Nuno. probably even more than he spoke to most of his <clears> players, unfortunately. Um but yeah, Postacoglu was good. Uh, we all got about two or three questions each. Um, I asked him asked him a bit of a personal one first. I thought it might be a little way to, A, show that I've researched this man beyond the realms of probably how much you should research a person. Um, but also just kind of a little more of a personal question that everyone else was asked. Because he was asked about Harry Kane as his third question, which he found hilarious. He was like, yeah, yeah, me and the other coaches had a bit of a pull. Mile Jedinak, uh, Jedinak actually won. I thought it would be question six because I thought you might care about me a bit more. It was like a really clever way of just deflating the situation. Um, yeah, my one, my first one was just about his dad, actually, because his dad who died a couple of years ago. Anyone that's listened to anything that Postacoglu said or read his stuff will know that Postacoglu's whole career has been about really creating teams that his dad would have been proud to watch and would have loved to watch. His dad loved attacking football, the likes of Cruyff, Puskas, um, Pele, of course, and then and the Brazil and uh, Dutch sides of the 1970s. And so he wanted to build teams that made his dad happy. But on the flip side, his dad was also a very difficult man to please. His dad, whose name was Jim, would, I think, he said something like when he told him about winning the Asian Cup, um, or, or spoke to him about it afterwards. Um, they beat Sonny South Korea in the final, uh, Australia. He, his dad apparently was like, yeah, but if you'd done that that way, you wouldn't have even had to go to extra time and stuff like that. So I asked, like, you know, bearing all that in mind, that you do every, did everything to try and make your dad proud, but obviously he was also a really tough guy to please. 
what do you think he would have made right now of you being Tottenham Hotspur manager in the Premier League? And I can see, I, th- I think, I think, I think it was the right question, and he gave me a good long three minute or so answer to it, just generally along the lines of, yeah, I think he would have been incredibly proud of me. I think he would. Um, and then he spoke about his family and the sacrifices. It kind of he started to almost go slightly into that speech that we've heard that's gone viral, where he talks about how all the players need to play for those people that have made sacrifices for them over their career, their family, the long drives, whether it was your mum or your dad taking to training every night in the rain or whatever and things like that. And he kind of went into that again, which was quite nice. Um, and then, yes, my second question was about Tongi on Dembele, of course. And my uh, third one was about injuries because I'd heard that there were a few injuries going into the tour and I kind of wanted to get him to confirm that. Um, I knew that Fraser Forster was going to miss it with a what well, is a back injury, um, and also know there's a few other players that are a little bit possibilities they might miss out. <clears throat> Excuse me, the likes of Jed Spence and Troy Parrott. I think have got little problems. I think Jed Spence was still the knee issue that he had um, towards the end of last season, and with Troy, I think it's a little groin problem he's got. I think his is quite small, but. It's, yeah, they're, they're little doubts, and we'll see on Friday whether they're part of the travelling squad or not. But no, he was really good. I mean, just probably should start mainly with the Harry Kane stuff. With Harry Kane, I mean, you've read all the stuff, haven't you, and listened to it? Yep. What did you make of the way he tackled the Harry Kane issue, situation, whatever way you want to call it? He's um, <clears throat> He's been put in a difficult situation by the club, really, hasn't he? Um in that the, the, the stance is there, Tottenham don't want to sell. Um, but with, with one year left on his contract, if a certain offer comes in, I think Daniel Levy will listen to it, obviously, um, because he knows that he's going to go for a free um, next season if he can't convince him to, to pen a new contract and, and stay for longer under the, the Postacoglu revolution, as it were. Um, I thought he did well, though. Yeah, as you say, he kind of deflected straight away with a joke, which, which, was, which was nice. Um, third question in, um, and it's about Harry. <laughs> Only two about me, essentially, um, before you get into uh, more pressing matters. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he, um, I, th- I thought he did. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying he did well um, to deflect. Um, that's not what Tottenham fans want, is it? Tottenham fans want an answer. They want to know what's going to happen, what's going on. I think everyone would have liked um, Ange to come out and say he, he's not for sale, he's not going anywhere. Um, he can't really do that. He's got the meeting with Harry tomorrow, I think it is. I don't know when the podcast is going to go out, but Wednesday um, is due to be when Harry reports back for training, obviously, before they go out on tour. So he won't have had that that meeting with him yet. So he can't find out where Harry's head's at or, or what's going on in, in Harry's mind, as it were. He clearly wants to keep him. Who who wouldn't want to keep Harry Kane um, at the club? Um, he is. He called him one of the premier strikers in the world, didn't he, in the, in the press conference yesterday? So... Yeah, difficult position for him to be in. Um, I'm trying to think. It's, it seems to be the case. There's, al- there's always something going on when when a new manager comes that kind of takes the attention away from them. It, it feels like, um, and yeah, he did. He did his best. He, he did what he had to do, and I think he came across well from it um, with the journalists in the room. Um, and I don't think, apart from getting that, he's not going anywhere. I don't think Spurs fans could have expected any more from him. Really, um, it was going to be a press conference dominated by Harry Kane, um, not by Ange Postecoglou, unfortunately. Um, which is a shame um, because we should be we should be talking about and we should be excited about um, the brand of football that he's going to bring and, and looking forward to the new season um, when we're sat here 
once again, two years on, thinking, is Harry Kane still going to be a Tottenham player um, come the start of the season or come September the 2nd? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was trying to think of some of the little lines he used. There was one that I think scared people was that he said, I've been given no assurances over anything when it comes to Harry Kane. And I think that maybe scared people. Then there was also another line that he said in the written section, which went out in last night's stuff we put out, which it was also quite interesting that kind of maybe would lean you the other way is that he said, nothing's landed on my desk at this moment from anybody, anybody at the club to say there's a decision to be made there. Not even close to that. So because of that, I'm looking forward to having Harry here on Wednesday and getting ready for the tour. And so bearing in mind that was, what was it, Monday, late Monday afternoon. That's a couple of days after the all the bid talk from Bayern. And so, so to have him suggest that there's no suggestion in any way that Harry seems to be leaving at this point in time, I think that kind of answers it to a degree. But I, I actually thought my favourite kind of answer was, um, if people don't mind me reading it out briefly, was his answer, I think it was the second question he was asked about Harry Kane. It was about, like you just said, the the conversation that's going to take place tomorrow, Wednesday, when he returns to training. Um, and the question was, in your conversation with Harry, is it about what he wants or you trying to convince him? So this is his answer. Um, it's, it's two long paragraphs, so apologies for this, but I think it's quite an interesting one to kind of know if you haven't heard it already. I don't think it's my role to sit down and treat people in a manner because of their circumstances. I'm really big on treating everyone the same. And Harry has already entrenched himself in the history of this football club. He's a very important part. He's one of the premier strikers in the world. and I want him involved. My conversation with him will be about how we can make this club successful. And I've got no doubt that's what he wants as well. So within that context, whatever that narrows into the personal stuff around Harry as an individual, if the conversation takes it that way, then we'll take it that way but I doubt it's going to be defined in the manner that people think it's going to be. It's not going to be a conversation where we walk out of the room and have an understanding. I don't want that kind of conversation. What I want is to introduce myself to Harry, give him my vision of the club and get a sense from him about what he thinks the club needs to do to be successful and then walk out on that training pitch and try to make it happen. I think it's a really strong answer. It's very much saying, well, I want him. I want him to stay. And I feel like we're kindred spirits in what we want for this football club. And if we're not, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make Tottenham Hotspur what Harry Kane wants it to be. Is that what you got from that? Yeah, I think the the, the key point at the end, right at the end of that, um, is the the sense that Ange Postecoglou is not an Antonio Conte. He's not uh, Jose Mourinho, who are going to be the the big shot as it were um it's my way or the highway sort of thing um he wants to sit down with harry kane he wants to find out what harry kane thinks is the future of tottenham and what harry kane wants at tottenham um to to make him stay and to make the club successful which as Ange said there is is what harry kane, he said it before um he wants tottenham to be successful he wants to win trophies at tottenham um as a tottenham fan it kind of it breaks my heart a little bit that we we haven't been able to give probably the best player that we've ever produced the silverware that he deserves, that his career deserves, and that he's looking elsewhere to kind of fulfil that um, that expectation, essentially. Um, but yeah, that, that quote about he wants to sit down with Harry, wants to find out what Harry wants and what Harry thinks, suggests to me that 
he Ange is going to be a kind of a flexible um, head coach and wants to get on the wants to get on the same page. Yes, he's going to have to sit there and say, "Look, I'm I'm the boss. I'm, I'm going to do what I have to do." But he wants to listen. He wants to hear what Harry says and get him on board um, w- with his way of thinking. Essentially, which he scored thirty goals last year, but it's not. It's not the type of football that Harry Kane wants wants to be playing, is it? Um, we, we've not played the, the type of football that suits Harry Kane for a long time now. Um, so yeah, that that conversation I think is going to be is going to be key um, tomorrow, um, and then in in the coming weeks, and 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 to see what Harry thinks of of training um, and being put through the paces and and the style of football that's going to be played. Can Can Ange Postecoglou convince him um, that effectively? he should spend his whole career at Spurs because that's that's what the next contract is going to be really if if someone gives him a four or five year contract that takes him to the age of 34 35 it becomes the last contract um, and it becomes his his career uh, ending contract as it were um so, so you're saying <laughs> a, a new contract at Spurs is a career ending <laughs> <laughs> not quite um I, I don't want it to be <laughs> um but you, you know you know what i mean that's it, it's it's the it's the last one essentially um unless he were to go in the, I, th- I think i wrote a story a, a pie in the sky story about him going on loan to real madrid for two years and then coming back and finishing his career at spurs um which he could win everything at real madrid and then come back and get the goal scoring record in the premier league and, and still be a spurs legend sort of thing um without that happening his next contract is effectively the last one of his career so it's got to be right for him essentially and we all hope it's right for Spurs as well absolutely right as we're kind of just past the halfway point in the show uh, it's a good time to remind everyone about our sponsors NordVPN so if you're not aware the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world and that means there's no buffering no lagging and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling something I've done many many times over the years long before they came on board as our sponsors it was something I used for kind of holidays if I wanted to watch anything that I wanted to normally watch at home but couldn't because of the certain strange restrictions they put in place but you can just set your device with Nord to thinking it's back at home in England Um, and also for work stuff I remember being in a few stadiums that didn't have a little replay monitors so there was times when I'd have to kind of be able to access the uh, the sports um, TV services that I watched at home and I was able to kind of get my uh, action replays to be able to provide better content for all of the readers Um, and it's not only that but the outlay on the NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate for example you could change um, your booking your flights to being from another country so it can be cheaper too because you're buying it from a certain country Uh, So it means you're paying out for Nord, but you're actually saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So just on Harry Kane, kind of before we start talking about all the other things that Big Ann spoke about in his press conference, Like you say, you talk about the new contract. Obviously, from what I understand, Spurs have kind of offered Kane the opportunity to discuss a very big kind of mega new deal, uh, should he want to. At the moment, and I kind of understand this really, 
the the focus from the player appears to be well let's see what's happening let's see what this kind of the big picture is and what's going on here exactly um it's quite interesting actually he um his quotes was at the end of last season uh harry kane i feel like we lost a bit of what the values are at this club over the last few years it's about finding a way to get back on the same page again and obviously even with the fans as well and that was actually put to Postacoglu yesterday in his press conference. And you could tell it's it was a long answer, so I won't read it out. Otherwise, it does become proper story time with Alice there. But he, everything he kind of said mirrors what Harry Kane wants for Tottenham Hotspur. It's the values. It's the style of football as well. It's, it's everything about it. And he even finished off that long quote um, with saying, I don't think that's too far from the kind of things that Harry was talking about. And it is. It was a long question about people being important and a belief that everyone within the club is happy to be there and wants to achieve things together. There's very much a feeling with the way he talks. It, it does feel more, I know this is probably not a name that Spurs fans want to hear or some of them right now, but it does feel more Pochettino-like. There is more this sense of family idea about the club. Um, whereas you felt with Mourinho and Conte in particular, it was all about, it's about winning. It's about creating this winning machine, which is, it's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Spurs would love to be a winning machine. But definitely the Postacoglu way feels a little bit more back to the Pochettino way. Um, and he was even saying like, he doesn't understand it. If everyone within Tottenham Hotspur, he feels should be walking through those doors every morning with a big smile on their face because they're being able to do something that so few people in life are able to do. Um and yeah, yeah, he spoke very well on Kane. He did. I I feel he obviously had limits to what he could say. We know he wants to keep him, but can he say definitely he's going to stay? Not really at the moment. It doesn't appear to be that scenario. I think the only way you get to that stage is when we get a sense of how high Bayern will go. The suggestions are that they're not going to go above. I've seen differing ones from whether it's 100 million euros or 100 million pounds. Um, but if I'm Spurs, I still stand by my original thing. I, I understand the idea from a business point of view of, but you can't let him go for free. I still think at the next 12 months, he's worth more to Spurs than the money. I still feel he is. I still don't feel that you can replace him adequately. And it just gives them that little bit longer for Postacoglu to try to convince him that, you know, actually this is going to be quite fun. And I think we could do something. Um, I still have this sneaking suspicion that like Spurs' previous attacking, most recent attacking managers, Redknapp and Pochettino, I think they might reach a cup final in this first season under Postacoglu. Hopefully win it. That would be nice <laughs> rather than be the, the runners-up. Um, I just, I feel like if Kane were to be able to win any kind of trophy with Spurs, and I know it's a cliche and other fans have said this before, but I do agree with it. An FA Cup, let's say, with Spurs would be worth just so many trophies at another club. I think it would. I think it would be a crowning kind of achievement of everything he's tried to do for Tottenham over the many years that he's been smashing the goals in for the club. Um, so, yeah. So, when it comes to Kane, I think we're just going to have to wait to see where his head's at tomorrow. I've never really got the sense of Harry Kane that he's someone that would push for a move and be disrespectful to the club in any way. I think he loves the club too much. And certainly from everything I understand, there's no sense that he's not going to go on the tour if he's 
asked to, I guess. It's not that he's asked to, you know what I mean. That if, if there's nothing that's advanced with Bayern, there's no reason that he'd sit at home and sulk. Um, certainly the suggestion has been that he, it's just such a professional that he will be out there on that tour scoring goals and, and training in the Postacoglu way. Um, but certainly, yeah, I, I think we'll know a lot more from tomorrow onwards where his head's at and how that first chat goes. So, yeah, no, I'm fascinated to see that. And, and on the tour, whether we get to speak to him will be very interesting as well. Whether Spurs like just kind of push him away in a corner, it'll be it'll become more and more difficult if he scores goals on the tour, which he um, will. I don't think. Well, exactly. You'd imagine he will, uh, and then kind of you're struggling for reasons because you'd imagine he will talk to TV broadcasters. He'll have to speak to them then. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating. Um, Really, really looking forward to that aspect of it and getting uh, a little bit deeper into what's happening at Spurs right now. So, yes, that's Harry Kane. We could talk about it. We could do a whole podcast on Harry Kane, but that would be, you know, leaving out the mercurial talents of people like Tongi on the <laughs> Here we so, are. Yes. So I did ask about Tongi um, because I've been hearing good things about Tongi around the club, that I've been hearing that, he has come in with a really good attitude. And it's not to say he didn't before. This is the thing with Tongi. I do feel like people often judge him on his body language, which I just think he's always had that kind of body language. Like, I mean, my goodness, how much was there about him getting out of a car to get into the club on his first day? <laughs> Honestly, it was so just the the social media went mad for it. I just think just think he has a bit like Berbatov had this very kind of laid back kind of gait about him, the way he, he moves on the pitch as well. It's no different to, to the way he moves on a football pitch. And I just think maybe people uh, add that in with their view on him when, look, yes, there are times when he hasn't tracked back and he, he's looked a little bit um, that he's not doing the whole thing that he needs to be on the pitch. That's true. That does happen. And obviously we had that very slow walk-off against Morecambe in the FA Cup, which was a moment that I'm sure he must have regretted afterwards. Um, but yeah, everything I'm hearing about him right now and being back at training is, is has been good, has been positive. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask Ange about it. Let's see what he thinks about him, what he's made of him. Um, and I've got his answer here. It was... It was, let's be honest, it was the answer I was looking for, <laughs> I was hoping for. Um, here we are, it's right here. He said, yeah, Tange, I was almost went into an Australian accent there. Yeah, Tange has been good. Uh, he's working hard at training. To be fair, they all are. They've got no option. Again, I take things as I see them. For me, he's obviously a very talented footballer. He was part of a team that won Serie A last year. And within that context, I'm pleased to have him here and part of the group. What that means long-term, again, I will not get into the definite of that because a lot of that will depend on how the team shapes up and how he shapes up. He may decide, <coughs> excuse me, he may decide that this is not for him. I'm not sure. Like I said, the group I've had in so far have been really good at embracing the change of direction, the way we're doing things. Once we get all the other guys in, it will be great to see how everyone measures up and decisions will be made moving forward from there over who will be involved and who won't. So it sounds like Tongi's at least done what he needs to so far. But then, obviously, when you're throwing the other midfielders into the mix against him, I certainly know that Basuma has made a big impression on Postacoglu, um, which is great, which is what we want. Um, and I do think that with Tongi, he will be coming into this scenario as a backup to begin with. And it's how about how he deals with that and whether that 
appeals to him or not. Obviously, injuries can happen at any time, so he could suddenly get a shot. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll just ask you straight out. Will Tongi Ondembele be a part of Tottenham Hotspur's first team this season? And if so, will he make an impact? No. No, I knew you were going to say that. I can't, I can't see it. Um, as much as I'd love it, um, he's he's one of two players in last 10, 15 years or so that I've been desperate um, to to succeed at Spurs. Um, the other one being Bobby Soldado. When we signed him, I was very excited and Ooh. wanted him to be a, a major player and kind of didn't work. And perhaps I shouldn't have these uh, these feelings about players because it clearly doesn't work. Um, Tongi has not worked either. Two very different players. I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love Tongi. Um, I think he's an outstanding talent. Just... Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want to get um, Tongi's lawyers onto me by um, saying anything um, bad about him. Um, but yeah, I just don't. I don't think he he's got the work rate or the effort um, to to fit into um, into the system. And how many how many managers can be wrong about the same player? Yes, he's won the, the title with Napoli, but didn't make a massive impact um, in what was going on over there. Um, and I know it's difficult when you go on loan to to make an impact with a club. He's not done it under three, four managers at Spurs, really. Um, it showed glimpses. We need more than glimpses. Um, and uh, yeah, I just don't feel... I'd, I'd love him. I'd love him to, to kind of rejuvenate himself and, and be a new player at Spurs because we spent big money on him and he's clearly talented. But I, yeah, I can't see it, unfortunately. I'm still clinging onto the <laughs> Guess he tells me every time we talk about Tongi, yeah, but you know, it's been four years now and he still hasn't made it. What's going to be any different? The only thing I cling to is the fact that it's the first attacking manager he's had since Potch, who desperately wanted him. So maybe there's a different aspect to it. Maybe. I agree. I do think that he's had a lot of chances and it hasn't worked for him. And he's had a lot of coaches telling him that he needs to do more. And I agree. Um, I th- Yeah, maybe it's hope more than sense, but I would love for him just to get this new lease of life. and, and Me too, absolutely. Yeah, and just suddenly make that massive fee justified. And, and just because, as you said, he's just the most mercurial talent. He's one of those players that, I think I've said this way in the, long in the past, but I would sit in a press box and he'd do something, you're like... Ooh, you just take this sharp intake of break, uh, breath and not many players make you do that. Harry Kane is one, definitely. But Tongi would make you do that because of some of the things he did. I mean, I still remember his goal against, was it Sheffield United? Yeah, Sheffield United, the flick oh. over the goalkeeper, yeah. Going away just from goal. Like, just like, oh, it's just amazing. And, and if there's anyone that actually is close enough to being the Dembele type in the way that he shields a ball and can turn with it and maybe operate in that, number six role in front of the defence, although I get, I understand people that would be quite scared by the defensive aspect of his play as well, but I actually think as someone who can hold possession in front of the the back four, I think he, he could do that well, but I kind of feel like maybe Basuma is going to get that gig the way things are going. I would love to see it. I would love to see Tongi um, have a renaissance, as it were, but... Um, I'm very yeah. aware that we've but, been talking for 55 minutes and I've got to go to a meeting very shortly, actually. Um, <laughs> although I'd, I'd love to talk about Tongi, but I just, 
when you've got like for me, we've got Tongi and Dombele, uh, Rodrigo Bentancur to come into the team. We've signed James Madison, and there's Eve Basuma, who I think everyone knows can do better than he's already shown at Tottenham, and, and started to show at the end of last season. And everything we're hearing is that Ange likes him, um, and he's 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 showing what he's capable of in training. How do you fit the four of them into that? that first team picture if he's playing 4-3-3 I, I don't know <laughs> someone has to sit out um, and I think the easy option is for Tongi to sit out this is true this is true This is and this is the worry about how he reacts to being a backup can I just say Guesty never cuts me off and my Tongi love <laughs> I, I, won't, won't, I won't be back. welcomed back <laughs> 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 no, it's absolutely fine. I go on about Tongi too much. Like I say, it's the hope that kills you. It really does. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of rounding off really on, on Andrew's press conference, he spoke about James Madison. Um, that was a really nice kind of thing that went out in, if you haven't seen it today, it went out midday today, all our quotes on that. Just really speaking about how much he wanted him. Um, he actually said that kind of, I've got a quote here somewhere. I loved he it. Says, Love the quote. Yeah. Where is it? He said... I thought it was a really good fit for us to look for a player like James. Even better if we could get James. Um, so we ended up getting James, and I was really pleased with that. And uh, the thing I actually thinking about with James Madison right now, this is me, not not Ange Postacoglu, is he just had twins. I would not want to be the person telling his what or partner, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm just heading off to Australia, uh, Thailand, and Singapore for a few weeks. It's like, oh, my goodness. And they've already got, I think it's like an 18-month, two-year-old or something, or a very young child as well. To have three kids, I would not want to be the one saying that. I mean, hopefully there's – I'm sure there's lots of support there, a family network to help out, but my goodness, that's that's a hell of a time to suddenly leave a family environment. Um but yeah, he, he's very enthusiastic about Madison and actually quite enthusiastic, I'm sure he would be anyway, but about, about Vicario. And there's a real sense from his quotes about Vicario that I think you could pretty much guarantee that Lloris is going to get his move. It was very much talking about a young goalkeeper who he feels fits his style of play, who he wanted through the door to, um, yeah, just exactly that, to fit exactly the attacking front foot style of football where even the goalkeeper has to be very quick in getting that ball to the players that can advance it up the pitch. No, not likely to be many long kicks and um, yeah, read his stuff on Vicario. That's quite interesting as well. It's encouraging though, isn't it? That he's willing to yeah. give a young player a new, new to the club as well, new to the, new, new to the country, um, go out there and do it. Um, I'll put my trust in you, go and go and do it essentially. Um, and it's kind of a message to the other young players at the club really, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and the interesting thing on the tour now is that there's, he's going to be the senior goalkeeper because there's no Lloris. I would be stunned if he went. I would imagine if you're Spurs, you just let him crack on and get his new club. So that would mean Vicario, Austin and Whiteman because Forster's injured. So it's a chance for him to get a lot of minutes, a lot of time kind of bonding with the group as the senior figure. Um, and also it would mean that Harry Kane would be the captain on the tour which would maybe be a sign of things to come, hopefully. Um, yeah, no, I'm really fascinated to see loads of players. I mean, just to finish off on the press conference, he did a train analogy that I liked for a variety of reasons. One, because it was quite good, and one, because it didn't kind of work towards the end. Um, I'm going to read it out because it's only a quickie. It's like, the, 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 the question was, what was your message to your players right, when you first spoke to them? And he said, it's just to be open-minded and not be too much bug, uh, bugs, not bugged down, bogged down and expecting 
no, sorry, someone's our transcription's not great there. Just to be open-minded and not to be bogged down with the expectations or history. Just to understand that we are uh, different, not because I'm better in the thing, but because I'm different to the the other managers and I'll do things my way. And the more people that buy into that, the more we'll get there quicker because when there is resistance, it just slows down the whole process. But what I will make clear is that we won't change the process. It won't change me and it might derail it for a bit, but I won't allow it to derail for too long. But the quicker we jump on the train, the quicker we'll get there and allow us to get to our destination and people to be themselves. So I like the train analogy. Not so sure you can derail a train and then get back on no. the train and head off where you're going. Um, but I get where he was trying to go with it. Um, it's just, I think that's going to be the key to the whole Postacoglu era is people getting on board the Ange train. As long as they are fully buy into it, I think Spurs can do some really exciting stuff this season. If you're not going to buy into it, you're probably done. Let's be honest. You're probably going to be heading out the door because Spurs have to commit to it. They have to commit to a total rebuild and back this man. So, uh, Which is why yeah, I don't think Tommy Ange? fits. Well, we'll see if Tommy fits. But you're excited about Ange. I get the sense that you are. Very much so, yeah. Um, not not just for me, but as I said earlier in, in the podcast, for, for my kids as well, um, who had been kind of uh, switched off to to watching Spurs, which uh, I've already said break my heart, this, uh, this podcast, but that kind of did break my heart as well because um, I've got... I won't say from birth. I don't think anyone can be a fan from birth, really. Um, I've got 30 plus years of supporting um, Spurs behind me um, and my, my kids, I've kind of enforced it on them uh, as well. Uh, so to see them switched off a little bit was um, was disheartening. So I'm hoping, uh, I'm looking forward to, yeah, just, just getting getting aboard the Ange Postacoglu train, um, using his analogy, as it were, um, and enjoying watching football again. Yeah, no derailing. And you know we're now going to get loads of pictures of babies and Spurs stuff to show that they were supporting from when they were born. Yeah, I don't think I had one when I was a baby. So I think I'm, I'm all right in, um, in, in what I said about me, perhaps not everyone else. My mum always says that when I was uh, a baby before I was born, I would uh, start kicking whenever the Match of the Day theme tune came on. There you go. Random little bit of trivia yep. there. It's not really Spurs related. but Football uh, related. Sure maybe I kicked, yeah, maybe I, maybe I kicked when... Uh, Chaz and Dave came on or something as well. Um, <laughs> For different reasons. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, I think that's a good way, good place to, to wrap up on, on Chaz and Dave. Um, and, and we'll head off now. Like I say, the pod is going to continue while I'm off on a tour. We're going to try and sort that out. We're going to try and I'm going to take my microphone set up so that we can do one, hopefully, after each game, uh, whether that be in Australia, Thailand or Singapore. Still waiting to see exactly what happens with the Singapore and the opponents because there's a lot of talk that Roma might be pulling out. So we're waiting to see what happens there with who they're going to face. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week. Obviously, thank you very much to Lee for filling in and being our Rob guest for the day. Thanks for having um, me. You did, did a sterling job. You just you, you just like him, quite frankly, just without the accent. Um, and yeah, so we're going to head off now and the pod will be back next week from some point in australia um yeah and as always um don't forget you can grab your exclusive nordvpn deal uh by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your nordvpn plan plus four additional months for free thanks for listening everyone goodbye <laughs>